0: Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and today I get to introduce you to Edward D. Hess, who is an esteemed professor, in, I never can say this, emeritus, he can correct me in a minute, emeritus, I don't know, that's a word that just escapes me, I can spell it, but I can't say it apparently, and of business administration from the University of Virginia's Darden Graduate School of Business, and with decades of experience in both academia and the business world, his insights are invaluable. Having excelled as a senior executive at renowned institutions such as Warburg, Paribas, Becker, Boycher and Company, well, we have got some names here that I just can't pronounce them, the Robert M. Bass Group, and I'm laughing at myself, so bear with me. Arthur Anderson, Professor Hess brings a wealth of practical knowledge to the table. And as a prolific author, his book Smart Growth earned him well-deserved recognition, being named a top 25 business book by Inc. Magazine in 2010, and receiving the prestigious Wachovia Award for Research. Today, though, we are talking about his new book, Own Your Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness. In the Age of Smart Technology and Radical Change. And I have that book in front of me. So join us as we explore the groundbreaking ideas and experiences that have shaped the business world through the remarkable perspective of Professor Edward D. Hess. Good morning, Edward. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. And thank you for sending me your book. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me, Denise. And please call me Ed and um i look forward oh, I, I can I do that forward, yeah, i look forward to a wonder, wonderful wonderful conversation
0: oh thank you you and thank you for sending the book these like i interview a lot of people who've all walks of life and they send me their books they have many many of my guests are authors somewhere along the line i developed a a reputation of really loving to interview authors And I'm looking around my office. I've got hundreds of books in here, hundreds, because I've interviewed hundreds of people over time. And every single book in here, without fail, has been gifted by one of my guests. And it becomes part of my entrepreneurial library. So it's important that I have these books, that I read them, I review them, and I get to interview you. So thank you. Thank you. Well, listen. Before we get rocking and rolling here, tell us a bit about yourself that I might have missed. And and I, how do you pronounce Professor Emeritus? Say
1: it for me. Emeritus. 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 You know,
0: I knew that, and it was not going to come out of my voice. Just, but I can spell it. So there's that. Emeritus. Got it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> just call me. Just, just call me Ed. That's, Ed. That, I'm just Ed.
0: You answer to Ed perfect because I'm not sure I could you know repeat all of that again, so tell people a, a bit about you before I start I've got questions. The book is terrific, so and I really want to know what a highly adaptive learner is, but before we start with the questions, tell people a bit about you that I might have missed
1: well uh I've been very, very fortunate in my life i've I've lived a very interesting life. Uh, I was raised in a small town in rural Georgia, um, and um, I was an outsider uh, because I wasn't a great athlete or anything, and uh, I uh, was very, very fortunate uh, to have people who, to have my parents who helped me learn how to be a learner and to and to be able to get, figure out how to get good grades, and uh, and my life was really taking over my life and my family. Uh, my family were, uh, were, were not, not Southerners. And uh, so we were sort of outcast in our little town way back when. And, um, and my, our lives changed dramatically when the head football coach, who was one of the best football coaches in the state of Georgia, uh, reached out to me at the end of the seventh grade and um, asked, called me and asked me, would you like to be in uh, an athletic trainer at the football football team? And I said, what is an athletic trainer? And he says, you tape ankles. And, but I'll teach you how to do that. And you'll sort of be working with me. And uh, I said, well, let me talk to my parents. And they said, absolutely do that. That's the most powerful man in this entire part of Georgia. And uh, he was the most powerful man. So I called him back and said, coach, I accept. Thank you. He says, well, you can't accept yet because you got to agree to do one thing. And I said, what is that coach? He says, I want you to come to my house at 730 every morning, every school day and every during the summer when we do training, every training day. I want you to be at my house at 730 in the morning and I want you to ride to school with me and I will bring you home at night. And uh, and that changed my life. Uh, my parents' life, and uh, and that gave me uh, tremendous opportunities, and, uh, um, and so I grew up uh, uh, a very humble existence, but I had people that saw something in me which really helped me, so I am who I am today because of lots of people who have helped me, and uh, it started out with Coach Grisham, And uh, not only did he help me in high school, but he basically helped me write my first article, which was nationally published about being an athletic, student athletic trainer in the Coach and Athlete Magazine. And then he helped me get a full scholarship to the University of Florida as a a student athletic trainer. And that started me on a whole journey of my life. And so I went to the undergraduate school, Uh, I went to University of Florida, and uh, majored in educational psychology and teaching was going to be my goal. And I um, well, did well and uh, uh, was going to, to in effect, learn how to be a, get a PhD. And, uh, and then my life changed when I met uh, a, a person who was uh, running for president of the United States and saw the impact he had and I decided that I wanted to, wow, I, I need, you know, that's, you know, it just, it just grabbed me. And that was Senator Robert Kennedy. I met and I decided in my senior year of college in April, at the end of the senior year, that I just wanted to go to law school and learn how to be a lawyer. And, uh, and so, as you can imagine, law school applications were already in, people already were accepted. And uh, I had to figure out a way how to basically get accepted to law school two months before law school started. And, um, and I figured that out, and went to law school, and that opened up doors with me to take me to um, being a lawyer, being an investment banker, uh, and then getting into cognitive psychology uh, deeply when I took a, took a time off from law. Uh, Than to going back to working in the in the business world so i've I've been a very fortunate person uh, because i've always had people who saw something in me uh, and helped me learn how to basically be a good person be not only a good person but a but somebody that added added value and I was never fearful uh, i i from all the time. Uh, you know, all the time, you know, when I went to come to Wall Street to become a senior partner in investment banking, I told the person hiring me, he knew me because he was a lawyer who hired me back in the law firm. And I said, I don't know how to do an IRR, which means I don't know even how to do any type of, of mathematics of how you evaluate businesses. And he looked at me and he said, it was a Thursday. He says, he looked at me, and he says, I know you. I put you in difficult situations before, and you've always figured them out. I expect you'll know the answer to, to how to do this by Saturday, and he was right. So, I sort of, because I had people supporting me, I was so fortunate. I was able to basically have really four different professions, uh, and um, that was, you know, that's what my life has been about. It's been it's been about people and trying to make a difference. A positive difference. Uh, it's never been about money for me. It's always been about how to add value and to help people and to help people be all they can be. And uh, that's sort of a nutshell.
0: That's a fascinating nutshell. Ed, I have to ask you during all that time that you spent with Coach Grissom, was he ever able or willing to articulate to you what it was that he saw in you that made him basically pluck you out of a? a you know, class of probably jocks would be my my guess, and say, "Listen, you've got something that we can all use. Come work with me."
1: I I I never asked him, and
0: uh, would have I, asked. I would have had to have known.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I never I never asked him, and um, uh, we became very very close. I mean, I, I actually got to his house seven thirty every morning uh, for during school year. And then in, at the time, whenever in the summer, when we did practices, um, and because after football, uh, he was the baseball coach and he made me assistant baseball coach. I was the first base coach and he was a third base coach when we, when we, it was our time to hit. So for all, you know, it was not just football season. And no, I mean, he, um, uh, he invited me, you know, he and his family invited me to, In my family, to to, you know, to come over for Christmas. I don't know what it was. I think he knew what was going on in our community. Uh, I think he knew that what was happening to my parents and me wasn't right. And I think he also followed me in high school and saw that I learned how to adapt and 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 make really really good grades. And I think he was just a good soul. I think he was just a, a good, kind, caring person who said, you know, I can, I, you know, I can help this kid, you know, be somebody. And I think that that was the type of person he was.
0: He went all in, didn't he? He didn't just, yeah, yeah. you know, toss you a, hey, you know, let's do this, let's do that. He really took over with you and your parents. And that's amazing. That's what high education, lower edge, all educate. That's what educators should be. You know, somebody who's watching, observing, helping.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and I'm like, you know, I am who I am because of, you know, my parents and various teachers. But, you know, after, after my parents, uh, he's the most, uh, uh, had the biggest impact on my life, uh. Uh, he he made it possible for me to go places, do things, have experiences that, you know, were, you know, I was stuff that I dreamed about.
0: I, I'm actually a little bit speechless here. And I have to tell you, Ed, that doesn't happen often. I'm almost never speechless. But this is truly fascinating. Like in today's world... And I'm not saying that we're populated by bad people. We are not. But if you listen to the news and if you, you know, watch the keyboard warriors pounding out their venom, you have to wonder, are we at end times? I mean, things can look pretty ugly. But then I get to meet people like you who reframe that kind of thinking for me because there are so many good people in the world. We just don't hear that much about them because they're not loud and
1: obnoxious (laughs) obnoxious <laughs> that's, a, that's that's a very good summary and uh yes uh, i mean it's and, and 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 you know and i'm not letting anybody off the hook but also as as a you know our our society our country um is is pretty i mean every every country's unique but it's 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 unique in this in the in the sense that we we have a culture and I've you know I've written about this and everything and it's you know it's 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 true I mean our our country culture is a little bit it's it's highly survival of the fittest uh, and so it's you know we it's it's not a an, it's not a culture that that uh, necessarily that uh, you know every Everybody is, everybody is one of us and we, we need to help each other. Um, It's, uh, it's pretty, um, especially in the business world, pretty, pretty, you know, climb that ladder. And if you have to step on a few people on the ladder, you know, you just step on their hands, not on their head. Um, And, um, uh, but what I learned in the, in, in the world is, is that, it's mutual in, in, in the fact that when people when when people help helped me, I I learned and tried to help other people, um, if assuming I could. Um not that I'm it's not I don't have any ego in this saying I can help everybody. I can't. Uh, but yeah, I made it part of my role was, you know, pay back time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we need, you know, the more, the more that people can basically, you know, we're not competing against each other, and that's what's so uh, strong in our society. that it, We're competing, and, we're, and we look at each other as, as competition, but if we looked at each other as fellow human beings who are all just trying to uh, do good, be good, be happy, uh, do some, you know, help other people. Um, you know that would that would go a long way in in solving some issues in in our in our country. And uh, yes, and, it would. And uh, and solve a lot of issues. These are the what we're going to be talking about, which is the the you know the domination of smart technology in our that's that's now hitting that's going to transform how we work who works it's going to transform our society it already is and um, and it's sort of like okay is it me versus you or is it wow let's all get together and exactly exactly
0: and listen I'm known as a nerd in stilettos and I do have stilettos and I am a nerd I have a computer science degree nobody cares I do because I had to pay for it but it's (laughs) mine by golly (laughs) And and, I mean, honestly, I'm an introvert. You never see me out and about. You're not going to see me in a group of more than three people. Three people is too peoply for me. I'm not shy, not even a tiny bit shy. And I don't have much in the way of filters, but I need to be alone. And I figured that out when I was a kid. I really did. But what I learned is that when you're going and you, you read this, I'm reading this in your book is that you have to have, and it's a little chapter here you have to have the courage to ask people cannot read your mind if you don't know what you don't know ask somebody and the thing about most people whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're an author whoever you are the the human beings actually do want to help other human beings I don't know how we lose sight of that but we seem to be but I'm fascinated going back to what you were just talking about Fascinated with everything that's going on now with artificial intelligence. It's been around. We just didn't know about it. How we're communicating now, how we're making big mistakes now, but how we can fix that oftentimes. There's a lot going on. And I I mean, I can't sleep at night. I'm like, ooh, I didn't. That. Ooh, ooh, that that sucked. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just never know. But let's let's start talking about how to become a highly adaptive learner, because clearly that's what you are. No question.
1: Well, it's, let's, let's define what highly adaptive learning means. It means being able to learn, unlearn and relearn it. Let's say the speed of change, but let's, we'll, we'll put it you know that that's that's been the definition for a long time but now in the world we're living in it's you know learn unlearn and relearn in at the speed of technological change because the technology the technology is going to transform how we work uh who work i mean we, we're going to, starting now, we're going to live in the most disruptive work time since the Great Depression. Technology is going to automate blue and white collar jobs. I mean, the best research out there from Oxford University says that 25 to 47 percent of the U.S. jobs will be automated by 2030. Scientists, I mean, good scientists have predicted the average person will have five different jobs in the next 20 years at a minimum. And so as you think about it, we've all were raised in an environment where things took a long time to happen and what you thought you know would take you a long way. And what the smart technology does is accelerate it to where learning is going to be a very learning and relearning is going to be continuous, fast process and the only way people are going to have meaningful work and, and to find happiness in the this this age is, is that they've got to basically learn how to become a highly adaptive learner and that's not just you don't do that by going out and you know reading more books or or you know uh taking more courses because we have to overcome our upbringing and and also how we have basically what how we think. All right, uh, because what it what it means is is that we're gonna have to think in ways that smart technology can't think, or we're gonna have to excel at building caring, trusting positive emotional relationships with other human beings who basically work with us and do teamwork together. So we're going to be, or we have to excel at trade jobs that require that they're very complex that require a lot of human dexterity and iterative diagnosis. of the problem, what's the problem? Is it, this is that, and then trial and error because technology is going to be, doing all of the stuff which is easy is the easiest to do all right and so you would say okay so what's the problem well the problem is is the way we have been raised in our culture and the way that we've been raised historically is we are not wired our brains are not wired to be highly adaptive learners. The science is clear. When you and I go out in the world, we go out to seek, confirm. now we can overcome this, and I'm sure you have, but we're wired to go out in the world and seek confirmation of what we believe. We look for confirmation. We don't look for how I'm wrong. We look for affirmation of our ego and our ego is our stories of who we are so we're looking for affirmation little head pats all right and then we're looking to not to ratify our stories and keep them cohesive i mean basically we're lazy learners i was think
0: just that? thinking that lazy was pop there's this little you know bubble over my head going lazy 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 ai lazy. is making a lot of people lazy You know, keyboard warriors, lazy. It's like, where is your brain? Pull it out of your fanny and do some thinking. But they don't.
1: Yeah. And so, and and the challenge we have as a society is, is, you know, our school systems all the way. All right. Generally speaking, there are not a lot of school systems that are out there really engaged in our goal is to basically create, make, enable, enable highly adaptive learners who can learn at the speed. And I mean, if you think about it, you know, you, you go out talking to somebody and, and, you know, they say something that, that, you know, you think's wrong. All right. We, we emotionally, if, if in, in what they said wrong is they disagreed with us. And I mean, we emotionally, all right, so it's not just thinking. We emotionally defend, deflect, and deny when our views are challenged by all other people. So we've got to rewire ourselves. The biggest- well,
0: Ed, you can. I catch myself still doing that. I think it's just human nature. Or maybe it's an American thing. I don't know. But I do catch myself still doing that. But my next, that's my knee-jerk reaction. And I know it's a knee-jerk reaction and that it's not going to do anything other than land me in probably hot water. So my next thought process, which is almost immediately upon me sticking a finger in my own nose and on my own nose and say, stop that, you know, petting myself on the nose. But my next thing is really tell me more. Now I'm curious. Why do you think that? How can you convince me? Probably can't convince me, but I'd like to know more.
1: Yes. And that is, and and as you read in the book, you saw, you read the part when you said, you know, don't deny, defend, deflect. You Right. Ask questions. Ask questions to make sure you understand the person. Ask, or you ask questions to make sure you understand them, or you can take the route. This is, look. This is what I heard. Let me tell you what I heard. Is this what you meant? And you're exactly right. That just that little step. All right. That but I have step. to do it.
0: I have to catch myself, you know, getting all bristled up. And, and it happens. I mean, it happens on a daily basis. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But I've learned enough about myself and how I should be operating to say, hang on, Denise. Back it up a step. Take a breath ask questions, get curious, unless it's somebody that I really don't have any use for at all. That doesn't happen often, but when I come across somebody that I'm just not going to like them no matter what, I don't bother, I don't play, I leave.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think the, the, the challenge that, that all of us have is, is to how do we basically have a realistic view of who we are well, we can think? we?
0: I mean, can we, Ed? Because, you know, you're talking about the stories that, you know, we're constantly defending our own stories and reiterating our own stories. But I think what people forget is that there's stories. A lot of them just didn't happen. To give you a for instance, you know, people in the same family are going to see an, an incident completely differently. My brother passed away a couple years ago. And um before he passed, we were doing a lot of, you know, going back to our childhood and he was five years younger than me. So I had already left the home by the time he kind of hit, you know, his teenage years, he would describe things to me. I said, what? I had no idea. I was standing there. I saw it, but we had completely different reactions to it. So once you realize that your stories. Are your stories, but not necessarily anybody else's. And maybe you can kind of deconstruct them and say, well, that doesn't work anymore.
1: And, and, and what, what, and you can basically use tools and practices. You know, if you're, if you're in a a job position or something, but even you can at, at home on your own, you can basically say, okay, you know, what, what's what's my daily intentions today? What's my behaviors? Mm-hmm. How, how do I want to behave? And you know, you say, well, I want to. And you know, knowing what we know about each other, and knowing if if we're smart enough, like you are, to basically know what our faults are. Okay, my my fault is this. How do I want to behave today to basically not do that thing again over and over again? And you sort of start creating your story, okay. What would I do different when this person stops talking to me? Okay. <laughs> instead of instead of leaning in and um, you know, when my hands are in the fist form or I'm tightly around my knuckles, leaning in, showing that I'm powerful, and, and saying, I disagree, or that's wrong, or that's whatever, you know, how do I how do I make just what you're doing. How do I make asking questions, okay, my new automatic? And you can do that. You can do that through training of yourself and training of your ego and your mind. And all of this is science based, okay, because the goal, the goal for all of us in the world we're in now, the goal for all of us is to. Go into each each situation, okay, with a quiet ego, a quiet mind, an open mind, all right, and ways that we have learned how to manage our emotions so we just don't react. And those tools and practices, which the tools and practices that I write about in in the book, are really Many of them are thousands of years old. Uh, They go back to the great religions and the great philosophies, thousands of years about how do you basically take ownership of yourself? And, but what's so interesting is, is that, is that great athletes, great musicians, okay. Great warriors. All right. Basically. And I've, I've studied in, known some Navy seals uh, and Navy, Navy seals and they they're, they're great warriors and if you think about them you would think that gee they, you know these are the people that are most likely to go off the, uh, the binge and everything because of the stresses and whatever. But I mean they do daily practices, daily practices so that when they get into situations which are dangerous, they're emotionally calm, they're mentally calm, they're totally open to see what's coming in and then how to reduce it. We can do the same thing. It's I I call it and then and write in, in the book that for us to become a highly adaptive learner, okay, we've got to basically be on our journey to our best self which requires us to take ownership of what's going on inside of me. Ownership of my ego, my body reactions, my emotions, my behaviors, my words, how I listen, how I think, and how I relate to others. Now, you can't do all of those in one day, all right? But, I mean, it takes time. And it, quite frankly, people that are good at this, that are very good at this, have been doing it for years and they never stop with the practices and the tools that I talk about in the book. And they do, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the morning, every morning, doing their practices and getting ready for the day. They take some, you know, two, three minute breaks during the day and do deep breathing exercises, uh, or other types of relaxation. Um, they write down during the day if they did something wrong, so they think about it at night, and it's this whole concept of deliberate daily practices and tools. You can transform how you behave, how you think, how you listen, how you relate, and it's never been really uh, uh, really taught in any great manner in our country because it Hasn't for a lot of people been necessary, but this smart technology age because of the pace of change and our inability to change fast is going to require that, you know, that people to become a highly adaptive learner, they're going to have to learn how to be a different learner than they are.
0: Uh, listen, I agree with you, and I noticed a lot of what you're talking about when we're talking about daily practices, and I suspect you've been reading some of the Stoics during your life as well, because I'm, I'm getting hints here. But anyway, this, for me, when I started really, really paying attention to other people and to myself, I mean, I've always been very busy. I'm always in my own head. I'm very creative. I like to be left alone you know, no talking, no talking, seriously, nobody talked to me. And I'm I'm dead serious about that. But COVID, that's when people really started saying, or at least I was observing that people had to, and I hate this word, Ed, I hate it. It's a COVID word for me, pivot. It got so overused. I think it needs to be struck from the dictionary, but people had to all of a sudden learn new skills, hone the skills they did have, go do something different. And they had to do it on the spot. They didn't have time to think about it, plot, you know, make it perfect, which as we all know, there's no such thing. That's just procrastination, procrastination as far as I'm concerned. But it really, for me, started around that time and people were, geez, you know, oh, geez, oh, geez, oh, geez, now what, now what? But the people who were not running around panicking were doing things and they were doing them very differently from what they had done before, but they did them. And then, you know, now we're talking about Highly adaptive learner, which again, kind of, for, I've always been one, but, and thank you for that because I didn't know that there was a term for it. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm a highly adaptive learner. Go me. But from COVID on, things have just gone insane quickly in terms of how quickly it's happening, how much it's happening. The changes that we're seeing are definitive. And if you don't get in front of it and if you don't take care of yourself and get a hold of who you are how you show up how you present and how you help other people things are probably not going to go well for you in the long term
1: that is a great summary you are spot on all right you are you are spot on and it's so important and and what's in the the thing that's the, the thing that people sort of think or automatically, when I talk to a lot of people, sort of react is well, I don't have time to do this. I uh, uh, hear that all the
0: time, or I can't afford it.
1: I can't, I can't afford it. Well, uh-huh. you know, it's, 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 it's pretty. You know, it's, it's pretty cheap. You know, it's pretty cheap right now. But, but it's, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't have time. And, and, you know, I tell people when I, when I, when they ask me, well, what what, what should I do? And then, so, you know, we, we, we talked through the you know, the sort of like, what's the whole program, but you know, how do I, how do I start? How do I start? And I said, do you have 15 minutes you can give me in the morning? "Uh," I said, that's not a lot of time. Yeah, I can work that out. I says, all right. Do you have 15 minutes in the evening? Yeah. Okay. So what do you want me to do? And, you know, when I get somebody that's, you know, not has not been involved in these types of practice tools, I say, all right, we're going to do an early morning practice, 15 minutes. You're going to do it every, every morning. You're going to do four minutes of gratitude practice. And I'm going to teach you what these are four minutes of gratitude practice, three minutes of deep breathing, four minutes of mindful meditation In four minutes, you're going to review and visualize the seven daily behaviors as to how you want to behave. You're going to pick seven. You're going to do that. So that's going to be, you know, basically, you know, it it works out to 15 minutes. I said, can you give me 15? He says, well, are are you going to help me learn what a gratitude practice? Absolutely. Okay,
0: We're back to lazy. I can't help it. I'm seeing lazy pop up in my head again but you're willing to help him learn so there is that
1: you can do the gratitude practice the deep breathing and they're simple they're simple there's no it's it's you know it's you know grat- gratitude practice is to close your eyes and think of s- somebody that's been very helpful to you or kind to you or loving to you or that helped you get to where you are and think think of that person and Either if they're they're still alive, reach out to them and say thank you or send a note or call them. But you basically, you know, you're, you're thinking and emotionally understanding that, wow, this person helped me. I'm not doing this all by myself. And how can I let them know how much, you know, so what's it take to make a call or just to send a note or a text or whatever? You know, you can send a text in 10, 15 seconds. To three, four people. Hey, you really helped me yesterday, or gee, I'm 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 late. You did this and helped me. I want to thank you. Thank you so much if I can help you. So that's you know, deep breathing exercises. Okay, all right. That's all up, that's about is just being sitting down, being calm, and breathing in slowly for say five seconds, holding it for five seconds and breathing out for five seconds, In doing that. Three minutes. All right. None of this is rocket science, okay? You know, the, the hard one becomes a mindful meditation where your goal is is to basically calm your mind and to basically focus on your breathing in, breathing in slowly, holding it, breathing out slowly. And what's going to happen is your mind is not used to doing that your mind's going to basically say this is stupid this is stupid or you should be doing this or other things are going to come into your mind and that's going to happen for a long time when you do these practice this practice because it takes a long time for you to take ownership of your mind but what you do is you basically when your mind starts chattering to you it's called the monkey mind in in philosophy chattering to you you basically concentrate even if you have to close your eyes hard concentrate on focus on my breathing focus on my breathing and eventually you'll get to where you can breathe two three minutes and your mind's quiet all right and then the goal is to build up to where you you have control over your mind most of the time and and so you've got you know gratitude practice to start out in a positive emotional state deep breathing because deep breathing, when you go out in the world, and all of a sudden you feel yourself, I'm getting upset. I feel I'm getting heat on my cheeks and everything. What do you, What do I need to do to slow down? Because I want to basically take ownership of myself. Okay, deep breathing. And you deep breathe, and you deep breathe, and then you know you you come you come back and and you you try to take some stillness breaks during the day. All right. I just need to just get outside and just walk for five minutes and just breathe in and breathe out. And you've learned that you can take more control over, over your what's going on inside of you because really and truly, the goal here is to take ownership of your ego, your body, your emotions, your behaviors, your words, your listening, your thinking, and how you relate to others. And our biggest competition going forward in this world we're in now is not other people. It's ourselves.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's ourselves.
0: I'm my only competition, to be honest with you. And I have to tell myself sometimes to sit in the corner and shut up.
1: Yeah. And and, and, and that's true. Because if we get ourselves to where we can manage ourselves and be more open-minded, all right? And be more willing to listen and be willing to seek to understand instead of to debate. We're going to see in the workplace, at least, all right, that we're going to be more successful. And what does that mean in the environment we're going in? Well, we're more likely to basically keep our job. Or more likely to have a job.
0: Get a job, you know, create a something for you which is what i do. you know i'm That's an right. entrepreneur. entrepreneur i yeah i am not employable in anybody else's office i run with scissors i don't play well with others and if you want coffee you can get your own damn self i'm not going to do it so i have to work alone <laughs> but i knew that yeah. about me and i've managed it
1: yes and you and you can and if you think about it a lot of when in in your in, you are, let's say, an entrepreneur. On- you are. You said it, An entrepreneur. So you're thinking then, and then think okay, what, what am I, you know, what am I going to sell, or what am I going to do, or how am I going to, you know, have impact, or how am I going to earn a living? <laughs> and generally speaking, there's a high probability that that involves people. And so, okay, so who? do I want to try and help? And how do I want to try and help? Or what do I want to build and sell? Or what do people need? But ultimately it comes down to our ability to have positive emotional relationships with people, people that trust us, people that are willing to, you know, do business with us, um, et cetera. And, and because the, the ro- the road stuff is going to be pretty easy, and probably more than the road stuff. But the road stuff is going to be pretty easy for for technology. And so, this this thing about you know, it's I call it the ultimate goal is inner peace, a state of inner stillness. And I'm reading now a state of inner stillness and calmness that enables me to go out in the world with my most nonjudgmental, fearless. Quiet ego and open mind, which enables me to learn, unlearn, and relearn at the pace of change, and enables me to connect with other human beings in a positive way.
0: That's beautiful, and it it is so true. And Ed, you mentioned you know having those moments of stillness. I can't meditate. You know, let me. I hate the word can't. Let me replace the word can't with don't meditate. I try. The old fashioned, it doesn't work for me. But I do what I call open refrigerator door meditations. (laughs) Because you all know, you walk to the refrigerator, well, you find yourself in front of an open door and you're thinking, how did I get here? What am I doing? What do I even want? I will go in there deliberately, open those big double doors, I have a you know big double door refrigerator, stick as much of my upper tor- torso in there as I can, and let that cold air just kind of waft over me, and I go blank. I literally deliberately just go blank. I'm not thinking a thing. It's yes, great. Yes. Try it. Yeah. <laughs> I do oh, it, de- yeah. And I do this multiple times a day. I call it, I really call it open refrigerator door syndrome, yeah. but when you do it deliberately, you're taking whatever was bugging you or, you know, really worrying you, you don't have an answer for it. And I have another answer for that in just a second, but go open the refrigerator door, stick your face in there and do what the refrigerator is going to do. It's going to wipe your brain out. It's wonderful.
1: And you're, and you're. I mean, that is so cool. Okay, I mean, I've, 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 not, I've not heard of that before. Well, good.
0: You're going to try it today, I bet.
1: I, I am. I really am. Because, see, because what, what you're doing is, is, you, you phrase it. I do open the door meditation. All right. And you've learned what is good for you. That when I do that, I calm down. All right. I'm guessing now i feel more relaxed or more peaceful or
0: oh yeah whatever
1: Whatever's whatever's you know got me riled or got me upset or what means got me frustrated or whatever uh it it's, it doesn't necessarily go away but i get calm enough to where i can handle it and so you've you've i mean that is part of being a highly adaptive learner all right <laughs> i mean you've figured out for you you, it works. It out for you, What works for you
0: does. And I'm listen, doing. I'll stay there. You know, I've had people say, well, how long do you stay in there? Well, with me, I can only stay in there until the doors start dinging because my doors start beeping. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going, I'm going back to work now. But often, and this is what I find out because I started watching myself when I was doing this. It's almost always a question that I just don't have an answer for. I, I don't even know where to look I'm getting irritated or mostly concerned or worried, and all of a sudden I realize I'm getting a bit of a headache, my shoulders are hunched it's it's affecting me, so off to the refrigerator I go
1: yeah and that's and it and it works and it keeps working and no, it does. I mean, that's that's awesome that's that's awesome and and you know it brought that brought <laughs> That brought up something to my mind way back when, gosh, I don't know how many years. Uh, my wife and I will be married 42 years next weekend. Uh, oh, congratulations! This, this is well, I'm, I'm very thankful to her for putting up with me that long. And uh, but um, uh, I was just thinking way back when, I guess, when we were first married, two, three years. Uh, uh, my wife's like you, a very bright person, uh, very in, independent, and we were having some dis- some disagreement about something, and uh, I don't recall what it was. And she, we were having a conversation, and she said, "Time out," and said, "Interrupt. I'm interrupting. Time out." She said, "Do you realize?" That just because you feel something negative emotionally, that you automatically don't have to behave that way.
0: Ah. Oh.
1: And and my wife was a, a, a scientist and everything, so she, my wife knew about the stuff that I have that have become my work decades later, which we're talking about. I mean, she. And I looked at her and I said, say that again. She said, Yeah, really? When you feel something in your body, you do not have to automatically behave or exhibit it physically or verbally to anybody. You can take a couple of deep breaths and slow down. Okay. And so she looked at me and she says, "Did, Did you know that? And I looked at her and says, no, I didn't know that. I just thought when you, you know, that's just part of being me. When I, when I, you know, when that's going on me, I just, you know, behave that way. She says, yes. And sometimes it can be in positive ways, but sometimes you can really hurt people and you don't mean to. And she said, what you just did now is, you know, really hurt me. And I know you didn't intend that. And I said, Wow. I, I got to work on that, and uh, you know, I, I ultimately, and you know, it, it it really it it really goes back to I was so my success during my life up to that point, part of my life and my motivation was to be very successful to make my parents and the coach proud of me, and I never harmed anybody. I never raised my voice, but I was the smartest guy in the room, uh, even if I wasn't the smartest guy, okay? Which I wasn't. Um and so she was saying, and, and she said, and by the way, when you start working on that, okay, also learn that you can be very smart and you don't have to be right all the time. Exactly. And and then so, you know, it uh it's so it's like this, you said it at the beginning, we're wired, all right, in certain ways that, that our upbringing, our culture, the environment has created us, has created, and all of the, all of the COVID upsetness, human upsetness, which is un- completely understandable and was you know, nothing wrong with it, sort of raised the question for us, wait a minute. You know, we we you know the tenseness, the fear, the this, the that, being you know not being able to go to work and everybody being in home together, kids and parents and you know, gosh, we don't have any me time. All of that triggered huge, huge emotional uh, issues. And what I'm what I'm saying, and what and I believe what you're also saying is, the world we're in now all right it's now here with this you know uh, smart ai all right and we got you know chat gpt 4 and i mean 5 will probably be here before the end of the year 6 will be here early the next year i mean it's just going to get smarter and smarter so fast our world it's it's sort of like it's different causes but it's it's going to accentuate covid it's going to accentuate the feelings of us that we had in COVID even more, because the workplace, the AI is going in the workplace. Where COVID, oh, yeah. COVID yeah. we came home, we came home, and we sort of isolated ourselves to keep the germ away. AI is going to be in the workplace in every workplace, no matter what you do. Unless you can do those three types of jobs that we talked about, that the technology is going to be hard for them to do for quite a while. But if it's in the workplace, you got the turmoil of AI creating it. And then people are going to say, well, you need to use, you know, use AI for this. You need to use AI. I don't know how to use AI. Well, you better learn. All right. Yeah, it's not key?
0: difficult, but you can't just copy paste because you will get told quickly that you didn't create that.
1: Right. And so it's, uh, it's this whole thing about, okay, how do, how do I, you know, and going, going back, how do, how do I take ownership of myself, all right, and sort of retrain myself? And other people can be helpful. And, you know, a lot of people that I work with, they, they pick two or three people that they're friends with. In the three or four people, and you don't have to do this, but some people, you know, they do it better in small teams. And the key is this concept of deliberate practice that whatever you undertake, you have to do it every day and you have to grade yourself. Because when you start to oh, slide, like we that. all slide.
0: Yeah. Deliberate yeah. Practice.
1: I mean, you look at great musicians, I mean, you take, you take, perf- professional basketball, the NBA. Most NBA teams have mindfulness meditation coaches who basically are, work with those great athletes to get their emotional and mental state in such that they are totally in their game and they don't get riled, they don't get upset. Now, of course, things happen. But I mean, you look at you know some of those great stars, who can go to half court and shoot, you know, shoot basketballs and they go through the net every time. All right. They're also visualizing,
0: you know, they're using visualization practices. I do all the time.
1: And visualization, visualization practices are very, very good. That's a very good point. Yes. And you, you, you visualize and I mean, you visualize before you go into a meeting. You visualize how you go to, you know, uh, when you go to your work team. Um, and and you know, a lot of organizations that I've have worked with and work with, you know, every meeting, you know, they've accepted it and they they bought into the plan. Every meeting, they take the first three to four minutes and let everybody do self-work. And then at the end of the meeting. They have everybody say, where are they? And what could we have done better? But, you know, they take three to four minutes and people do, you know, mindfulness meditation, deep breathing, visualization of how they want to be. But everybody does a little work and takes some deep breaths and then smile because smiles, smiles chemically smiles help you to basically get in a positive frame of mind i mean you can't it's impossible to smile too much all right i mean it's it's like you know generalizing positive emotions and the the list i have in the book which you've read and i'm sure you saw it all right Generalize positive emotions how do you do that you smile more you laugh more you be kind These are not in order. And number four was you visualize how being kind or caring look like for you. What does it mean?
0: Yeah, and it's not that difficult to do. I don't know about you, Ed, but I think in pictures. I really do. And maybe that's why I'm such a good web developer because I've already built it in my head while I'm making a gumbo. I mean, I'm standing over a stove, and I've got that thing built. I don't have to put anything to paper, but I think, I think in words, but I also think in pictures, which yeah. to me is is an amazing way to get where you want to go. Yeah,
1: and do you, that's right, and you can you visualize the picture or where, where you want to go, but you can, and, and this is a yes and, not a yes but, this is a yes uh-huh. and and visualize how I want to behave that. In that instant,
0: there you go. I missed that part, so thank you. You know what? I wanted to, to mention too because we're talking about you know taking those little breaks all day long. Gra- you know, look, I do graduate, graduation gratitude the minute my eyes open. I used to be one of those people that woke up hit the floor running, I don't drink coffee, I hit the floor running, the devil says, oh crap, she's awake, and off I go, (laughs) seriously, and I had to learn before, you know, I dislodged a cat off of my bladder, because that's another reason you, you jump out of bed, but I would have to say, thank you, and really define what I'm grateful for, what I'm going to be grateful for, because I'm projecting it. You know, I'm I'm visualizing it. This is what I intend to happen today. I'm very rarely surprised when it doesn't happen or it, it will often happen in a way that I didn't expect. So I've learned to deal with that. But gratitude for me, it is it's all day long. I love water. You put me in a restaurant, water, no coffee, no Coke, no nothing, water. Just give me water. Every time I, you know, I'll drink out of the tap, I'll drink out of the hose, I'll drink out of, you know, the the water spigot from my refrigerator. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I know a lot of people do not have sufficient or clean water. I love my water and I make sure that my water knows it. To me, that's gratitude. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Yes. You're, you're, you're spot on. And, and, you know, and it's in, in the other part of it, which you've, you've also, the key is is to, you know, is to pause. You, you, you know, you do your practices and you do like with, with your water and everything. And you've now got that wired into you. So if you think about it, you have yourself and I'm just, I'm not being judgmental or anything. This is what I'm hearing. And, and, you know, you, you have the, the ability because you have, trained yourself you're you're wired in certain ways that you know and they're designed to do things that's going to put you in a positive emotional way all right and uh, or an open-minded way or in since you're an entrepreneur an exploratory way
0: there right? you go i'm always looking always learning very curious
1: yes and and so you've you your system your internal system you've been doing that work and uh, and what what you know and what we're talking about and what you're talking about is very very helpful because you're role modeling a lot of a lot of what or behaviorally role modeling and additionally you know a lot of what I talk about in in the book is to okay. How do I start making this transition in, in in the just just how you sound when you talk about it? The joy inside of you comes out with the words. And when I'm hearing you, and I'm not blowing smoke, okay, what it says to me is she's you know, she's really used, you know, doing her inner work okay she's got her way all right to go out in the world and be able to do what she's doing in a very positive way in a way that basically keeps her and also keeps her in a good place but is there's no intentionality out there to hurt anybody to compete with anybody you're just going to be the best you you can be and, it, Thank and it, you. It, it may be very different than other people, but that's okay. In well, fact, yeah. Everybody's different. Okay. And, but see, you've done the work. You've, you've, you've done the work over time and still doing the work. And we all are doing the work if we're trying to. And it's this, you know, it's this, you know, it's this thing about your, the refrigerator thing, you know, the power of pause and, you know, think about it. What am I doing when I go put my head in the refrigerator? I'm really pausing, and I'm going into a different environment that automatically starts changing things physically. Okay, because it's cold. Uh, Yeah, feels uh, good. Feels good. Yeah, and you know, there's the you know the power of pause and the power of reflection uh, is is so important in in. What we're talking about and what the, the world that we're going to be in, and uh, there's a, a, a Buddhist uh monk that um, there's several I, f- I follow, plus Stoics.
0: Uh, I caught the uh, Stoics, I did.
1: Yeah, uh, Roshi Joan Halifax, she's uh, uh, the head of the Upaya Institute and Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, an amazing woman, amazing life story, amazing. Uh, And she, in in her book, she talks about the books, the five gateways of speech. And it's, and they are, is it true? Is it kind? Is it beneficial? Is it necessary? Is it the right time? And Uh and it is so beautiful. And that
0: expands on somebody else that that I used to listen to. Is it true? Is it really true? mm -hmm. So that's a, thank you for that. I'm going to go look that up.
1: Yep. It's five gateways of speech. It's, it's in the book. It's in, in the book uh, that you have of mine. And, um, um, and is it true? Is it kind? Is it beneficial? Is it necessary? Is it the right time? And, you know, if you, in, you know, and she does, um, you know, a mantra with that, Uh, and, you know, if you, if, you know, if any of us, and I, I, once I learned it, I started reading it, and it works, I mean, just even in the morning, it's part of my morning meditation practice, I read this, and I think about it, and I visualize something that happened yesterday, or maybe could happen today, and and you know it gets me thinking and so the 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 breathing exercises the thinking exercises the listening exercises uh, that that are available to people and and there uh, you know there's 25 different tools and practices in my new book and 35 personal workshops where people actually you know either individually or in small teams have, you know, they got work to do where they answer questions, which helps them see who they are. And then they make up their judgments about what would I like to change? And then there's a, there's a way, a system there. Okay. Here's how to do that. And where you don't overload yourself because then you're going to quit. Right.
0: and And they're done that.
1: Yeah. And it's, so this thinking of thing about the five gateways of speech, it is just so beautiful. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it beneficial? Is it necessary? Is it the right time? And it's, it's, and, you know, and if you ask yourself that and at the end, and then, you know, Denise, I'm going to go to something, which you said before, you know, sort of at the end of it, all of a sudden, if a big smile hasn't come on your face, Make a big smile come on your face, all right, because when you put, when you smile, when you read it, it's just basically certain positive emotions are going through your body, and it makes it easier for you to basically, it become part of you.
0: Did I lose you? Yeah, I was just looking to see if we ran out of time. We've got a couple more minutes. Um, I have no idea what happened. You disappeared, and then I had to run into to my computer and see what happened. What I wanted, I was reading while you were talking, and I was also reading what you were talking about, but I also have a sticky note on page 49. And I want people who grab this book and please do grab this book, make it part of your entrepreneurial library without doubt. But Ed is talking about the new smart. He's also talking about critical thinking, which I think is vastly underused, but that's a whole nother conversation. And here he's got five new smart principles. One, I'm not defined by what I know or how much I know. My mental... Models are not reality. I love that one. I am not my ideas and I must decouple. I must be, and I'm just, you know, reading the very quickly. I'm not reading the entire thing because I want people to read this. I must be open-minded and treat my beliefs, not values, as (laughs) hypotheses. Oh, geez. To be constantly tested and subject to modification by better data. And five, my mistakes and failures are opportunities to learn so very true. So we really are running out of time. Ed, before I let you go, and thank you so much for being here with me. I love talking with you. And the book is phenomenal. Where can, Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before I let you go? And where can people find you? Uh,
1: they can find me if they want to reach out to me. My email is uh, at edu if they want more information about the book, it's on uh, the book website is www.ownyourworkjourney.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, you know, if they have questions or anything, they can they can reach out. And uh, uh, and I, this has been a joyous this has been a joyous conversation because uh, you have made. I've learned from you, uh, Denise, and I like some of you, I like some of your approaches. That doesn't mean I don't like them. There's something I don't like, but you you're in you you are well into your journey, and you are on your journey, and you're the you're the perfect. I, I'm I'm not being derogatory towards him. Mean, you know, I, I do a, I do a lot of podcasts. I don't have a lot of people that are on the journey. Uh, in the podcast you know that do, uh, that are the podcasters uh, uh-huh. it was so so interesting because you you we this was a team podcast and it was it, it it was it was a team podcast which was so energizing in everything and your way of coming across to your your audience All I can tell your audience is is they are so fortunate to have somebody like you.
0: Thank you, Ed. I am smiling, but I'm also tearing up a little bit, if that makes any sense. I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you so much.
1: That's the first time I've ever said that.
0: Oh, now I am truly honored. It's a terrific book, and I have loved chatting with you. And so much of this, I'm like, yep, yep, ooh, gotta try that. Oh, absolutely going to do that. So thank you for writing the book. Thank you for being my guest, and please stay in touch.
1: Yes, let's stay in touch i'd love I'd love that and all all the best and and all the best to your audience and uh, i wish I wish them uh, meaningful meaningful work and happiness.